Welcome back to the Season of Sam podcast. I'm your host, Yogi Roth, and today's show is loaded. So buckle up, put your earbuds in, and get rolling here. We got Will Ferrell coming in to join Sam Donald. That's right, we're going to get to the truth. Will Ferrell was actually on the USC football team or not. And then we're going to transition to a member of the USC football team, tight end Tyler Petit, one of the most sure-handed players on the roster. As USC gears up for what is essentially a Pac-12 South championship game against Arizona this weekend. Sam, big win over Arizona State Sun Devils in the desert. I mean, utter domination in pretty much every phase. You don't really have a lot of time to think about that one because here we are with basically the Pac-12 South title on the line, Arizona coming in. Uh, what's it like? I feel like you got a little little pep in your step this morning, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was good to find a rhythm, you know, not just offensively, but I think, you know, in all three phases, it was good to, um, you know, go down there and score on the first drive and then, you know, our defense stop them and, um, you know, it was just, it was nice to find a rhythm and get things going a little bit. And um, I think that just kind of shows uh, the grit of this team and kind of the hard work that we put in uh, in the off season and also, you know, during the week in our preparation. Um, you know, I was just talking um, with a couple teammates uh, yesterday while we were playing dodgeball. Um, it's, it's really... It's really nice to be able to go out there and know how much we've prepared for the for a certain game and for a certain team and to be able to go out there and execute. Um, you know, it's it's always a good feeling whenever um, we can bounce back from such a tough loss at uh, Notre Dame. Dodgeball. Yep. Yeah. We heard <laughs> yeah, about no. dodgeball. No, no football yesterday. Dodgeball. No, it was fun. Uh, you know, we had our team meeting. Uh, we talked about ball. You know, we talked about the good win, watched the film. Um, you know, everyone kind of during the day when they don't have classes, they try to sneak in and um, try to watch as much film as they can on the game. But um, coach wanted us to, you know, be loose and have some, have some fun. So uh, it was nice to be able to, you know, have a little team bonding experience. And, uh, you know, it was it was a blast and uh, something that's, you know, it's, it's nice to sometimes, um, you know, ball is really fun. But at the same time, it's nice to be able to do something other than ball with, with a bunch of great guys um, and, and friends and my teammates. I know you're obviously not only a student athlete but also a fan of the game. A guy who's been having a lot of fun is Khalil Tate. Have you been able to watch yeah. him at all? I mean, I've called a couple of his games and he's gone just berserk. Yeah, no, it's it's actually uh, interesting because Cam Cam was watching film yesterday on, on Arizona and then, um, yeah, and I just know a couple of the, you know, defensive um, guys on the defensive staff and um, they're just like I was walking past past the defensive rooms and they saw me. They're like, "Hey Sam, like you got to come check this out." And it was like one of his runs against Colorado, and I was just like, "Dude, like how are we gonna prepare for this guy? Like what's the plan?" And uh, it was just a really interesting conversation. But no, he's he's a special player, and um, even even in high school um, and having a bunch of guys from Sarah, a bunch of bunch of his former teammates here, um, you kind of understand. Uh, how big of a threat he is with his feet and with his arm. Um, but you just kind of sense that, you know, um, whenever he runs the ball, that, um, you know, electricity, I guess, in the air um, because anything can happen. And I think um, with that being said, you know, we got our hands full this week, but um, we're really excited to get after it. Seems as though uh, you played, at least statistically, one or more complete games a week ago. But every week we come in here and you have confidence, you know, in your game. 
after that performance and the performance of your teammates, whether it's explosive plays from your running back, your receivers, where's the confidence for you right now in this offense and obviously your role within it? Yeah, I think, well, my confidence has, has never really changed, to be, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's something that's really important, especially as a quarterback. You just you got to be able to trust everyone around you. And I think um, when I do that and when, I, when I'm able to do that and when, you know, I see, like I said before, like the preparation pay off so much in a game like that, um, you know, it just gives me even more confidence and I'm able to trust people even more. And um, with, with guys stepping up, younger receivers, um, you know, Rojo running the ball like he did, like he always does, and our O-line blocking the way they did. Um, you know, it's, I think, you know, we have something special to work with here in the next few weeks, and um, just really excited to try to win this Pac-12 self. You know, a couple weeks ago, you were on this podcast, and we pulled up an image of you that was shared on USC's Facebook page of you <laughs> in the locker room with our next guest, yeah. Will Farrell. What are you thinking about asking this guy? Because you clearly could talk to him for hours. Yeah, no, I could easily talk to him for a few hours. Uh, I think anyone can, you know, with the type of uh, just personality that he is and uh, how genuine he is when you really, you know, talk to him, uh, you know, man to man. So, um, no, I'm just really excited to ask him some questions. Uh, I honestly don't know where this conversation is going to go, but um, I'm excited to, you know, just ask him about his past and uh, what kind of experience he's, he's might have had. I love it. Well, he's a master in improv, so uh, you're going to see your <laughs> improv skills up against Will Farrell's yeah. right here. All right, so let's not waste any more time and bring in our guest on the Season of Sam podcast, Will Farrell. How, how do you know it's really me, though? That's the question. <laughs> a Will Farrell vocal impersonator. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of hoping it's you, honestly. <laughs> All right. You're going to have to roll the dice. Yeah, exactly. I love it. All right, so let's roll the roll the dice right off the bat, Will. And uh, to get get you started on this podcast, for number one, thanks for coming. Uh, this is a master class for Sam where he gets to ask people that he admires and wants to learn from a bunch of questions. And to kick it off, we got to just get to the truth, man. In our preparation, we need to find out if you were truly a member of the USC football team or not. Because we've talked to Tim Tessalone, and, he's, and we're, just, we're just unsure about it as of now. If I'm officially on the roster... If you were when you were a college student, were you a kicker or a punter on the roster? Because that's a rumor around Heritage Hall. I will give you my brief USC football career, which, um, of course, I was uh, a graduate of the uh, sports powerhouse University High School in Irvine. <laughs> Sam, did you ever, you ever come up against the Uni High Trojans? Yeah, I think I did in uh, you know a couple summer basketball tournaments. And did they destroy you guys? Uh, I don't think that was the case. Uh, no, I think I think we might have beaten them by twenty a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for us, that's that means we destroyed you guys. We usually lost by forty, so for us to only lose by twenty is pretty good. But uh, no, I was the uh, the career record holder for the most field goals at Uni High, and. Uh, so freshman year, I saw a bulletin in Heritage Hall saying they were holding uh, fall open-ended tryouts for kickers and punters. So I went, but Cromwell was closed, so we just had to kick in the open field there. And um, we only got to do about 10 kickoffs, which was not my specialty. I did not kick the ball deep. I kicked it to the five-yard line every time, but highly accurate with anything inside of 40 yards. So the fact that I wasn't able to actually use the field goal posts uh, really hindered my tryout. So we got about 
eight or ten kickoffs, and then the special teams coach just blew the whistle, brought everyone in, <laughs> and said, we're very happy with our kicking game right now. If any of you guys want to play scout team offense or defense, uh, you're welcome to. And I thought, no, I don't want to be a, a tackling dummy. So uh, <laughs> so that was it. That was that was my, my brief tryout. So I did not... I did not make the team. Dang. Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, we, we all thought here at USC that you might have been a star in your own right. Uh, but, no, I just uh, I want to I wanna ask you about your experience on SNL because um, we see all these funny videos of you on SNL, and then now with, with all your movies, um, you know, we can't help but you know, just laugh at everything you do, honestly. But how much how much did your experience on SNL with preparing for um, certain skits, I guess, like how did that <clears throat> help you in terms of um, preparing for movies and then learning how to, you know, act on a big stage? You know, I, I mean, SNL was, uh, you know, first and foremost kind of a dream come true. You know, that was like the one thing. I really, you know, I was obviously a fan of the show and, and, and always thought, gosh, if I could be on that show, it'd be amazing. And it was, um, but what I didn't realize it was not only being, you know, the thing I always wanted to do it was also this incredible experience in the sense that you had to, you know, it really was comedy boot camp. You kind of had to learn, uh, how to do, a number of different things, uh, including, uh, you know, you had to learn how to write for yourself, write sketches. Uh, you had to, uh, you, also, you also had to learn how to just service the piece that was handed to you, try to try to bring something funny to it uh, in your own way. Um, and, uh, and then obviously work with a bunch of different cast members. And then, and then the fact that each week it's a brand new host who uh, is depending on who they are and whether they've hosted or not is either really comfortable doing the show or com- or not comfortable at all and so you kind of had to help set them up in a way that that made them uh you know kind of succeed uh so it was it was a it was kind of something I never would have predicted in the sense that you had to kind of learn how to star and be in the background all at the same time and uh which it, which happens on a on a movie set uh, every single day, you know, there's some scenes where you're the you're the main force driving the scene, and and there are others where that day you're just kind of in support. So it uh, it it kind of gave me such a well-rounded background that that by the time uh, you know I started I left the show and started doing film, it, there really wasn't anything that could be thrown at me uh, that I hadn't already experienced at the show. Do you think uh, was there ever? one particular skit that you had the hardest time maybe not laughing or breaking a smile? And do you remember one skit specifically, maybe? Well, if you watch the cowbell sketch, um, the the only thing that's saving me is the fact that I have that big fake beard on because everyone is cracking up on that sketch, including <laughs> myself, but I'm hiding it uh, by the fact that this beard, and then I keep turning away from the camera. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, that was that was incredibly hard to get through with the combination of knowing, you know, there, there's no better feeling in the world than than cracking up the other cast members on live TV, <laughs> and then the fact that here's Christopher Walken with his crazy weird cadence, and 
you know, just every now and then just going, I'm going to need more cowbell, baby, and just screaming at us. And that just made it seem so surreal with the fact that the audience actually is liking it and laughing at it. And, and I just thought, oh, this is going to be the weirdest sketch. It's never even going to make it. Um, that was a really tough one. There was also one on Weekend Update that probably very few people have seen where uh, it, I was a I was a character who suffered from voice immodulation, meaning I I could only speak really loudly and I'm not <laughs> able to control my voice. And I had these huge glasses on, and for some reason they kept fogging up, and that just made me laugh so hard. Uh, and Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon were like. The character's name was Jacob. Like, Jacob, are you okay? And and I don't know. The, the, those are two moments that will always stand out. Um, as, as but but that kind of that feeling that you're going to lose control and and not be able to recover is is kind of is completely terrifying and and joyful all at the same time. Um, but those are kind of two standout moments. And you you've kind of been uh, known, I guess, or at least. Um, on SNL for your George W. Bush uh, impersonation, and I know you've done a lot, a lot more impersonations in your time. But how how long does it take you to perfect one of those? And um, like, yeah, I guess that that would be my only question: is how long does it take you to perfect it? Well, I mean, I didn't, you know, there, uh, you know, there was there was a guy when we were on the show. There was a guy, Daryl Hammond, who was like, that's what he did. He did impersonations, and he, you know, he did Clinton, he did Al Gore, he did. Uh, Donald Trump. Before anyone was doing Donald Trump, he did Jay Leno. He he. That was his skill. He he's a, he's a really funny stand-up, but he also was had this great ear for doing impersonations, and he could literally, uh, you know, he literally captured the way they sound. I I I mean, I'm kind of I guess known for doing some impersonations, but I I wasn't that skilled. I just kind of was able to pick up on one little thing that the that the person would do and just kind of heighten it. And, uh, so yeah, when I, when I was asked to do George Bush, um, at the time it didn't really look like he was really in the running to, to win the presidency. Uh, so I thought it would just be a, you know, a short lived gig. Uh, and the only thing I could, uh, I just started focusing on how he squinted his eyes so much when he was concentrating and, uh, and so I kind of picked up on that and then. You know, the more the more you do it, and the more you, you know, you watch a lot of tape. The same, I mean, the same way you watch a lot of game film, you kind of study the person and try to pick up on, on, uh, on, the mannerisms and the way they talk and the way he would move his hands. And, uh, but I, I have to say, like, if I watched like early, you know, some of the early episodes of when I first started doing him to where he ended up going, it's probably vastly different. But you just you just keep uh, it's always a work in progress so it's I, I don't necessarily i don't think i necessarily had him down i just was kind of thrown <laughs> i was thrown into the fire when those first debates came up between uh and uh and that's where we there was some just some really funny writing this guy jim downey who's who, who's kind of been at the show forever uh he came up with the with the line uh, strategery and uh um and that got a lot of publicity and then I would literally practice like one word over and over again, like strategery, 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 in the way he would say it. And uh, so you just you just pick up little little tricks like that. But uh, but that having been said, I, I just I kind of feel uh, 
like I lucked into kind of doing some impersonations that people uh, latched onto. Yeah, and you, and you talk about the writers and how big of an impact I think I think they can have on you know, SNL and your movies as well. Um, curious on how much um, in your movies, um, more specifically, how much of you know your stuff is improvisation and how much is actually written, and how often you know the producers or the directors um, allow you to kind of improv in your own way. Well, any 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 of the the films, you know, I mean, we kind of really started doing it with Anchorman, and uh, and and people really weren't doing that much improvising. Uh, but that was a cast that was so good in terms of Steve Carell had a background in improv, and David Koechner and Paul Rudd was really good at it. So we were we were all uh, comfortable with, uh, you know kind of going off the script so but usually usually the plan is that you you know you know i think i think there's a there's a perception out there that we just show up on the day and just make it up but we 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 have we have a script that's been rewritten and rewritten and looked at a couple times and we do a table read where we get the whole cast together and read it out loud and kind of go back and go ah that part's not working and um and so we really you probably do four to five to six takes with all the lines that are written and then uh, and then once we feel like we have it down, then it's kind of like you get three or four takes where you just get to just kind of mess around. And, uh, um, and so, and those are, you know, that's like a, that's a, another really ostensibly a, another writing pass at the script. And, uh, and it doesn't always work. You know, there, there are plenty of times. That's why we, anytime we have an actor is like, oh, I don't know what to say. Just, I'm always like, it doesn't matter. Cause we, you know, even if you, you get 20%, Right, the, the, that's twenty percent that we didn't have coming in on the day, and and that joke might end up in the movie. Um, but you just have to you just have to be willing to look stupid and fail and go, okay, that that joke sucked. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but just throw out what what what's ever in your, on your brain, and um, and a lot of times it it ends up in the movie. So we we yeah we kind of that's kind of the process uh, we follow a lot of times on these. Uh, on these comedies. Well, when you spoke to SC at graduation, there's a lot of really fun elements to take out of it and, and some serious ones as well. And I want to ask you about, you said this line where you said, I want to make sure uh, I and you enjoy the process of the search. And I ask you that because a season's really long and there can be times where it's hard or it's boring or it's strenuous. And I'm curious for you or in your craft, whether it's writing and creating with Funny or Die or one of the projects you're on, you got a new film coming out now, Daddy's Home too. but I'm curious, where do you make sure, are you committed to making sure you're finding the fun in the process and the search in all of your performances? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm i lucky in the sense that, you know, uh, I kind of grew up in the entertainment business in, the, in, in that my my dad was and still is a, a working musician. and But on, but on you know, he, and he played with... Uh, um, a lot of you know big acts in in the 70s and 80s and that sort of thing but he also played as just a a a piano guy in a bar with three people listening to him and i watched it i was like gosh what how does he do that what what sustains him when um you know it's literally three people and two of them are talking and only one person's literally listening to him and he he would just it was just his love of playing the music and and uh and remembering why he you know he loved playing piano so whenever 
yeah, whenever I'm on a movie set, I'm always, uh, I always kind of remind myself and other people around me, like how lucky we are to get to do uh, this thing that only half of 1% get to do and to never, you know, they're, they're long, they're 15, 16 hours uh, on a shoot day a lot of times. And it's a lot of hurry up and wait. And it's a lot of, okay, we got to take two hours to move the cameras. And then you're losing light. It may be outside and you literally have five minutes to get your lines out before we lose it. So you have to be ready to go, even though you've been sitting for two hours. So it's, um, you, you, you kind of have to stay on your toes and, 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 and stay sharp. But I always, I always just try to, uh, remember that I am so fortunate to get to do what I do and, and love it as much, which is, you know, I think like you're saying in in the ups and downs of a college football season, even, even your worst game, you got to remember, you got to, you got to kind of sit there and go, wow, I, I'm still getting to play college football, which, uh, uh, or college la- athletics in general, which very few people ever get to set, you know, set foot on on that on that field. Uh, so I, I always try to 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 remind myself that, and that and that when it does feel hard, it's gonna knock on wood. Hopefully, pay off in the long run because you'll just uh, you'll always remember uh, those experiences. And I think I think that's something that's really important, especially during the you know long season we had. Um, it's it you know it's been a grind and it's been super long. But Co- Coach Helton brought us brought us in last Thursday before the Arizona State game, and just he reminded us to just play loose and to remember that it's a game and we're playing college football and it's you know with our best friends in college, like to just have fun with it. And I think um, you know with having that mindset and knowing what to do with it we were able to go out there and succeed and you know play for the love of the game not just because we you know have to or because you know Arizona State's on our schedule or we have to go there it's it's because we love it and I think when you know I think when we realize that then it's super important but um I just I, and that's I just, what I remember I, having I remember having lunch with Matt Leinart and he, that's what that's what Carson Palmer told him and you know Carson Palmer's had an amazing pro career and uh, he said that that he told Matt, like, dude, just soak this up. This is like the most fun you're ever going to have. Um, and and not that, you know, pro football is something that that all of you guys aspire to do. But just know that it all of a sudden becomes a job. Um, you know, it can be a fun job and you get paid really well. But just remember, this is a special time. Yeah. And um, just kind of want to transition, I guess, into um your career again I just was interested in how yeah (laughs) um do you ever do you ever get uh maybe not tired but um yeah I guess tired of people claiming you as like the funny guy I mean I know you love it I know you soak it up but have you ever wanted to like go out and make like a super serious film and maybe like branch out a little bit but I know, you know, it's your sweet spot, like you're super funny and you're really, you're really good at, like we talked about earlier, like improvisation and all that. Um, but how, how much just being the competitor that you are, how much have you wanted to branch out and, um, have you before? Yeah. I mean, I've gotten to do a, 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 a number of films that are kind of a little bit of a departure. Uh, there's a movie stranger than fiction that I did, which is, which is more serious. Um, and a couple, a couple of smaller independent movies that were 
they were uh, more serious in tone and uh, and I loved it. It was it was a great way to kind of stretch and kind of see if I could actually pull this off. And I got I got some nice um, you know I got some nice mentions from the press and things like that. Like oh wow, he can actually act, uh, which uh, <laughs> you know is nice um, uh, <laughs> to know that you can kind of. Uh, do that, and and I, I think also too, it's it's like uh, not. I mean, dramatic movies are hard, you know really good actors. You watch and you you really admire. That haven't been said. There's not one. That's what was fascinating about being on a show like Saturday Night Live. You'd have you know this most serious actor going, "Oh, what I do is easy. What you guys do is the hardest thing." Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet comedy doesn't get the credit. Because when it's really good, it just looks like it's easy, and uh, uh, you know, no one realizes that there's a there's a a combination of a lot of thought going into it and being loose all at the same time, which is which is hard for people to do. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 you know I'm currently kind of seeking some more uh, some more serious stuff to do to tr- to try to complement uh, you know the comedic stuff, but I'll, I know I'll always kind of return back to comedy because uh, um, it is uh, it is what I ultimately love doing right and I think along along those same lines do you um, when you meet people or people you know stop you and want to take a picture do I mean do you ever get tired also of people wanting to like when they meet you like you crack a joke or they expect you to be super funny like how, how is that process when you meet people I've never put pressure on myself to try to be funny in an unnatural way when I meet people. So, you know, and, and, and like anyone, you know, you have your good days and your bad days and there'll be times where I'm like, I'm like, I'm on my game and people come up and say hi. And I'm, I'm like already, you know, messing with them or whatever. And they love it. There are other times when I'm just like, feel kind of quiet. And, uh, I'm like, Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm nothing but nice. But they're like, wow, you're so normal. Like almost like what's wrong with you? And uh, I go, I know, I know, I let you down. Huge letdown, right? That's all you're going to remember. But I, I just, I kind of made a promise to myself that, uh, that I would, that I would just in that moment when I'm interacting with people, uh, not worry about being funny if I didn't feel like I was funny in, in that moment. And, you know, there's a lot of times with, I'm, I'm with my kids and my wife and, and, uh, and I'm like, hey, I'm, you know what? I'm just, I'm in dad mode right now. And 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 for the most part, people are like, oh, I'm sorry, I totally get it. And then other times they're like, really? But I'm such a big fan. And then and then I'm then I can't help it. I'm like, really? Are you sure you're a big fan? How big a fan are you? And they'll be like, huh? Are you messing with me? And so, uh, but yeah, I just yeah, there are times when I'm I'm just kind of low keying it, and uh, and I can tell people are like. God, what's wrong with him? And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm just hanging out. Uh, uh, but I'm, but I, I think I, I'm. People are shocked that I'm not like Robin Williams, someone who's on all the time and uh, you know doing bits. And then, and then I'm sure I've met people where they're like, oh, he was he was as funny as I thought he would be. Uh, uh, but I, I kind of like, you know, I, I don't really worry about it. Well, you've, you're known for an expertise in improvisation with the groundlings throughout your career. Sam, I think, when we watch him play the position, he improvs as well as anybody at the position. I'm curious when things get hard for you, 
when you're having to improv or you're performing? Because I want to relate it to Sam. When things get hard for him, do you go right back to your instincts, to maybe your first class, your first year at the Groundlings, to your base and say, you know what, I trust my instinct more than anything, regardless of expectations or stereotypes or standards around me, um, when you do deal with some sort of difficulty in your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you... you uh you know, much the same way that if you're on the field and a play breaks down and, you know, I'm sure for Sam, he's just not even thinking about it. He's just, he's just trying to escape trouble and then looking downfield and, and looking for where the play is at. And that's kind of what you're doing in, uh, in, in comedy in a way when it's, when it's like, Hey, let's just try something new. This, this, either this scene doesn't seem to be working or, or, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm kind of equating it to working on a movie, uh, then you just go off the top of your head, and you're not really thinking about um, uh, whether it's going to work or not, because you just have to plow ahead. And uh, um, you know, your film's a little different because you have the safety of the edit room, where if it if it just doesn't work, you can try a bunch of different things. But but I, I think they're I think they're very similar in that sense that you just uh, you just kind of, you know, everything slows down and you just kind of trust your gut and uh, and go back to the basics. And you recently uh, endowed USC's first ever full scholarship for the women's soccer team, which I know everybody around here is extremely excited about. And the big question is if you're going to join the staff as Chuck Berry because of your previous performance with Ryan Khalil and Matt Liner from back in the day. <laughs> uh, I Chuck Berry has not... I mean, if there is a request for Chuck Berry to join the women's coaching staff, then Chuck will have to show up, yeah, and apply his his groundbreaking yet controversial coaching technique. <laughs> but curious, why why did you do that? You know, you're around the football team a ton, and to endow the, the first ever full scholarly for the women's soccer team is a big deal um, in college athletics, let alone just at USC. And curious why you leaned in on that. You know, we, um, we had a... Um, we had given this donation and it was asked where we would, where we would kind of like to, uh, you know, uh, apply the funds towards. And we, um, had just thought my wife played college soccer. Um, and you know, just, uh, soccer's kind of, uh, all our kids play it. We, we both, we both coach together, believe it or not, husband and wife coaching team for our little seven year old. Uh, and, uh, Along with uh, you know the excitement of uh, LAFC that I'm part of the ownership group uh, building the brand new stadium uh, uh, for uh, next to the Coliseum there, it just felt like uh, it just felt like a a, a great positive move to kind of support women's athletics um, and especially USC women's soccer, which for in a relatively short amount of time I, I believe has already won a couple of national championships and. Uh, and, and really has has built its program up from the from the ground up with with without a ton of assistance and it it it, it just felt like something that would uh, um, be really impactful right away and that's that's how we uh, that's how we came about uh, choosing that program. Do you uh, sorry I just got to ask one last question. Do you coach your kids like you do uh, the the young kids and kicking and screaming? You know that's my oldest kid who's now 13 when I started coaching him I I literally was Phil Weston I turned into that guy uh and I would be I would I couldn't believe that I found myself like just screaming on the sideline <laughs> and uh 
my oldest son's name is Magnus, and there was one game which was a defining moment where it was like, Magnus, Magnus. And all I wanted him to do was like hustle a little more, and the ball was only like 10 feet away from him. And he finally stopped in the middle of the game. He's just like, what? And like, what? Like, and it, it struck me like, what could be so important right now? I'm like, oh, uh, just, just keep chasing after the ball. I, I really didn't have any great coaching. And he kind of shut me down. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Just, <laughs> just, uh, you know, these kids, you know, in the heat of battle, they can't hear us anyway. They're just out there running around, having a good time. Uh, and, you know, coaching really happens during practice. It doesn't really happen during the game. Uh, so I learned to kind of tone it down. Now we're, now we're just, now we're pretty quiet on the sideline. And if, if one of the kids is close to us, I can kind of go, Hey, watch that guy over there, you know? Uh, but <laughs> I've, I've, I've stopped the yelling altogether, but it is funny that life or art imitates life because there are so many parents, especially at that younger age group that are just screaming the whole time. <laughs> and I just want to go, they can't hear you. Uh, not only can they not hear you, but none of them will be professional athletes. I repeat, <laughs> none of them from Beverly Hills region 76 will go on to win the world cup. I hate to break it to you. Oh, breaking news here, Will. I probably get punched in the face by some irate Beverly Hills parent who go, how dare you take away my child's dream. But, but you know, as you know, Sam, like you probably, sports were just fun for you. And then you've gotten to higher levels and you thought, oh, maybe I can play at the next level. But it, it, they got to stay fun until, until you realize, oh, maybe I do have the talent to kind of keep going. Wow, this has been an absolute blast, Will, and we'll make sure we let everybody know. That oh, God, it. I've been looking forward to this, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations. you got a movie coming out on November 10th, Daddy's Home 2. We'll be sure to uh, check that out. Sam, uh, continued success this year. That was a great game this past weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Will. All right, guys. All right, talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Will Farrell. I mean, <laughs> biggest uh, biggest guest we had on. What'd you learn from? Yeah, um, it was awesome having him on. You know, uh, he brought his A game for sure. Uh, you know, he was definitely as funny as I thought he'd be, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, I thought both of you guys improved very well. Yeah, so that could be good, great. But I'll tell you what, another guy who's really excited to be on this podcast is a roommate of yours, mm. Tyler Petit. <laughs> what should we expect from this interview and conversation with him? Uh, you know, hopefully he's on his A game because when he is, he's super funny. Uh, kind of reminds me of Will Ferrell, but, you know, Whoa. looks a little bit like Vince Vaughn. Uh, so we have a little running joke in the quarterback room and uh, with the tight ends a little bit there. But, um, no, Tyler's an awesome guy. Um, you know, over these last couple of years, he's become super reliable on the field. Um, just someone I can trust to, you know, be in the right spot on every single play. And, um, you know, I think... Um, he's developed so much as a player and, you know, as my friend, and it's just, it's been awesome to kind of go through college together and experience life. And, um, no, but Ty Tyler's super funny. Uh, he's going to be an awesome guest and I know he's been bugging, bugging me for a while to get on. So, um, it's, a, it's good to have him on finally. All right. That's Sam Darnold and Yogi Roth. Be right back with roommate and tight end Tyler Hard to believe the basketball season is here as the USC Trojans kick things off November 10th against Cal State Fulton. And this year, one of the top teams in the country. Come check them out. Tickets as low as $15. Oh, and welcome back. And here we are with junior tight end, Tyler Petit. Um, before we dive into the team and the story, I was reading about you a little bit. And your real name's John. Why Tyler? Yeah, I mean, my uh, John's been running through the family for a while. And so I think... 
my parents just kind of wanted to keep the tradition going. But, um, yeah, I just ended up going by Tyler. Too many Johns, too many people <laughs> named John. And I tried going by John a few times to try to try to hack the system in school, but it just didn't end up working out. So stuck with Tyler. When was the commitment made to Tyler? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I, I tried to go by John in kindergarten because mm. we were doing the uh, share circle and it went by name. So I tried to go by John, and it just didn't end up working out. So Tyler kind of stuck after that. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, now you kind of go by like Mr. Reliable. You know, when any time things break down, you seem to be the guy that your quarterback, your roommate, Sam Darnold, always finds. Have you always been the type of athlete that just found yourself around the ball? Did things just kind of happen and stumble into your way for, in the positive in terms of making plays when they needed to be had? Yeah, I mean, I think after last year, um, I think I kind of let Sam down sometimes, and, and that was on me, and a big thing going into the offseason was to get my hands right, get my mind right, um, and and that was my goal, and just to come into this season and be that guy for Sam. Um, because we had been thro- we had thrown ever since he got here, ever since we got here as freshmen, um, whether we were going to San Clemente or whether we were doing it out here in the summer and uh, like while he was redshirting, and so... I just kind of wanted to be that guy for him, and, and that's just what I've been trying to do all year, and, and it's worked out pretty well, I think. Yeah, you kind of made some headlines even for plays you didn't make on the field for backing up your boy. Why did you feel like you had to do that in the middle of the season? Well, I just think that some people put undue pressure on Sam, and um, obviously his talent is the thing that's kind of got him that pressure and everything that he did last year, but I think some people fail to remember that especially college athletes, like they're just kids at the end of the day. I mean, we're, we're 20 year old guys and, you know, we're still kind of up and coming and we're still learning our way. And, and, um, and I think people just put a ton of pressure on Sam. That's not really deserved, but I also think that's what makes him such a good leader is that he can kind of take all the offensive woes that we're having and just put it all on himself. Kind of what coach clay does. And, um, even if it's not his fault necessarily, he's just kind of owns up to it and says, yeah, that's my fault being the leader of the offense. But, I mean, I think us as a team, we have to have his back because it's not always his fault. I mean, I think whether you look across the board, like there's been offensive line issues, there's been some receiver issues, and not saying that those things can't be fixed, but we got to be able to back up our guy when uh, when the time comes. Backing up your guy, um, you've seen him prepare for games. You guys have prepared for games together. I'm sure you've talked playbooks. I'm curious if you've watched him prepare for this podcast, and if so... <laughs> How did he prepare for today? Because we just got done interviewing Will Farrell. I mean, I haven't seen him do too much, but I know <laughs> I just like listening to the podcast and kind of like listening because um, I obviously I've heard a few of the episodes and and just kind of listening to like what he has to ask. I just kind of I got to assume that he's like up there scribbling stuff down up in his room because he's not that kind of guy that just is able to you know really just kind of throw it out like that, but. No, I think uh, I think this is something that he's really enjoying. I think it's kind of cool to just take a step back, I guess, from everything that's going on and be able to talk to some people that, um, you know, like Will Ferrell. I mean, I love the guy. You know, he's he's just hilarious. But being able to just kind of take a step back from football and, and be able to talk to just different kinds of people, I think, is something that he really looks forward to every week. So take us inside the, your locker room. You guys just beat ASU on the road, critical game for the Pac-12 South. And now you got Arizona coming into town, which is an even more critical game for the Pac-12 South. And it seems as though, from an outsider's perspective, 
this season has been kind of elements of awesome highs. You beat Stanford. You beat Texas in dramatic fashion to dramatic lows, right? We got a bunch of injuries, no bye weeks. How do you, you said a 20-year-old, how do you guys manage dealing with the emotions that have come with a season that has seemed to have had ups and downs? I think the biggest thing is just to remember that we're just playing a game and that we're supposed to have fun doing what we love. Like, we all came here for the love of the game. Um, Like, no one came here because they had to. You know, it wasn't like a chore that they had to come here. Like, we all wanted to be here. And um, I mean, even yesterday, we played a little game of dodgeball downstairs instead of having our Monday meetings. And I think, like I said, just kind of being able to step back and just look at, like, what we have and, like, what we're doing and just realize that, like, we need to have fun with what we're doing. Like, you can't... um, you can't ever let it get to you too much. Like, you know, obviously with all the fans that are very supportive of our team, there's some that when things aren't going well, like they're going to be down on us. And, and it's easy to sometimes get caught up in that and get down on yourself and be like, man, what are we doing? Like we aren't as good as what we thought we were going to be. But then, you know, you come off a win like at ASU, that kind of atmosphere, and you come back and you're like, man, that was fun. Like it was fun to play at ASU. It was fun to be in that game. And like, and you could just tell on the sidelines, like, guys, demeanors were different. And, I mean, even coming back and watching the tape and with our new passion coordinator, Coach Nansen, um, <laughs> just kind of realizing that, again, it's just a game and we need to have fun playing it because, like, that's kind of why we came here. And so, you know, I think yesterday was huge just to be able to – we didn't watch any of the film. We just played dodgeball and we had our team dinner. Um and it was just fun to, like, be with all the guys. I mean, everyone, like, we were still competing, but at the end of the day, like, we're just teammates. Like, we're all brothers, and it's just fun to be around here. I love that. The passion coordinator. Yeah. You know, NCAA football, you get a 10th coach. Maybe that'll be <laughs> something that other teams pick up on in the offseason. But I'm curious. I want to dive into that with you. Sam and I have talked about it on previous episodes that you've listened to. And I remember playing. It's hard. I remember coaching. It's hard. Like, there comes a point where it's, like, quote, unquote, a job. And you referenced playing dodgeball, coming back and finding the joy. But specifically to you, where do you go when you need to find the joy? How do you reignite that passion bucket, if, if per se you want to utilize that phrase? Yeah, I mean, I just, I kind of just go to my roommates, I think. Um, I mean, being able to hang out with guys like Cam and Sam and Coach Labonte and Jake, I mean, like being able to go home every day and just kind of talk ball, but also be able to talk about whatever I want. I mean, just having guys that I know. I mean, I love all my teammates, but I'm obviously especially closer with with Cam and Sam and those guys. And just being able to go out on the field and, you know, come up with celebrations in the house, like kind of like just those kind of things, like the small things, I guess. Like just realizing that, you know, when you make a big play, like have fun with it. Like it's supposed to be fun, you know, like it's a huge stage, but this is one this is one time in your life where you're going to be at this kind of atmosphere. And so... Um, I think when I'm just talking with those guys and we just kind of talk ball and yeah, like sometimes we get down on ourselves, like when we lost to Notre Dame, like, yeah, we were bummed, you know, and it sucked, but we just came back and when we got home, we kind of all sat in Cam's room and we're just like talking about the game and stuff. And then it's just like slowly got more lighthearted and it just got, you know, we kind of just ended up forgetting about it and just moving on. And so just being able to have those guys, like guys that are surrounded by football, but know what it's like to kind of be in that spotlight and, and have that kind of pressure is just really good for us to just kind of be able to blow off some steam. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I can remember my uh, <clears throat> first year coaching here, and we played you know Notre Dame obviously every year, and Coach Carroll was talking <clears throat> about how his first year, when he took the team there to South Bend, 
he made it about all the pageantry and how beautiful the rivalry is, which it is. And for every fan or fan of college football, regardless who you you, you cheer for, you love that. But he realized after that year that for the players, it's got to just be the next game. And so I'm wondering for you, how do you balance, now here we are, basically playing for the Pac-12 South, how do you balance the enormous standard that you came here to be a part of, as well as the, I just got to line up in solo right personnel formate whatever it is two tight end sets and run a corner out how do you manage the intricacies of the little job that you have with the enormity of putting on the carlin gold yeah i mean it's huge um and i think the coolest part is our coaching staff i mean having a guy like coach clay that you can come in and just be like look that sucked like i'm not going to sugarcoat it like when we got beat by Notre dame like that was a horrible feeling and uh I mean, any loss is bad, but especially like that. And uh, But you just got to come back, and he's just like, look, it happened, but we got to watch the film. And our goal isn't, like, we, we can still accomplish what we want to. Um, you know, since I've been here, like, we've won a Rose Bowl, and that was incredible, and I'll remember that forever. But something that we haven't done and I haven't done is win a Pac-12 championship. And I think – some guys really underestimate, like, when you have such high expectations and you lose, like, that first loss that we had against Washington State, and you could just feel, like, in the locker room that everything, it almost seemed like was kind of crumbling. But then we came back on Monday, and we were talking with Coach Clay, and he's just like, look, like, our goals are still there. I mean, there's no reason that we can't achieve those. And you kind of just take a step, and you're like, oh, man, like, I, of course we can still do that. Like, you know, what were we kind of thinking? Like, yeah, of course we lost and that was terrible, but let's just watch the tape, learn from it, and we just got to come back next week because we still have a goal we need to achieve. We can't dwell on the past. Um, and like I said, wanting to win a Pac-12 championship is something that's still driving everybody here. And, you know, we have a huge game this week, but I think just being able to see that we can still do what we want and that our destiny still in our hands is huge. One of the things that stands out to me when I was told by our producer, Katie Ryan, that you'd be coming on this show was all the meetings that I've been able to moderate for your team, whether it was Alexis Jones, Ray Rice, Gary Vanyerchuk. Um, you seem to always be a guy sitting in the front, taking notes, the minute it ends, going up to talk to somebody. How have you made sure that you've utilized football as much as football's utilized you in your time here at SC? I mean, making connections with people is something I'm – I've been good at, I think, like I'm able to talk. That's kind of my thing. It might be a bad thing at times. I kind of talk too much. but Not for a podcast. <laughs> <We're good. laughs> um, but, I mean, there's so many there's so many connections that can be made with people. And I think um, in this day and age, some people kind of underestimate uh, human connection. Um, being able to have a conversation with someone and be able to look someone in the eye and shake their hand. And, and that was something that my dad instilled in me, something that, I hope to instill in my son is the importance of a handshake. I think people really underestimate the power of going up to someone, looking them in the eye and shaking their hand because that's something that nowadays is you might not see as much as you used to. And, and having someone that can remember somebody just based off of a handshake is huge. And I think like if you go up to someone and you give them a really firm handshake and look them dead in the eye, I think that that's something that people won't really forget anytime soon. If you have like a good conversation after that, that's something that will stick in someone's mind. I mean, I know it has with me, even with a kid that's younger than me. If they come up and do that and shake my hand and look me in the eye, I mean, if I saw that kid again, I would for sure remember who that was. And so, and especially at a place like this, I mean, we're in 
the communication mecca of the world. I mean, you talk about entertainment, anything that you need in Los Angeles. And there's so many, I mean, Will Ferrell is coming in later today to talk on this podcast. I mean, that just goes to show you kind of the power that SC has and just being able to make those connections with people will just help you, especially myself later in life. Um, Cause I'm not going to be playing football forever as much as I would love to. My body is not going to be able to take that kind of abuse, but um, I need to be able to do something that can uh, I can support my family with. And just by making those connections and utilizing the power of USC and of the football team, I mean, if you didn't, I, I would be disappointed because it's, there's just so much that, that it has to offer. That's impressive. That's amazing. Um, okay, it's Halloween. This episode is going to air the day after Halloween. I'm going to be disappointed if you don't have some amazing story about your house on Halloween. I mean, what are we what are we doing? Is it decorated? Do you guys have a pumpkin out front? We there were there were some pumpkins out front. I think they kind of got destroyed though because mm, okay. of the rain. Um, I've been a huge. I wanted for the longest time to be the Flint Tropics. Strong. Yeah, I mean it's perfect because Will is coming in today. But, I mean, we had the perfect amount of guys. We could just go get some jerseys online and just be the Flint Tropics. I mean, I thought it was great, but all the guys shot me down. We're Honestly, we're a very big Christmas house. Okay. We, we still have our Christmas lights hung up in the house. Um, we're all about Elf, which, see, I mean. Dropping, all, It's yeah. all, to, you know. Um, no, but <laughs> coming back, we were, like, all discussing ideas. We were thinking about being uh, the underdogs from Dodgeball. Um, yeah, thematic that works. Yeah, just your average Joe's versus the Globo Gym because they we were going to be at my, our house was going to be average Joe's and the guys next to us, um, like Reed Butrovich and um, and some of those guys, Kevin Carrasco. We were going to have them be Globo Gym, and uh, we were going to kind of see what we could do with that. But uh, like I said earlier, we were just kind of sitting at home yesterday, and it was like, oh, tomorrow's Halloween, and so I think we kind of. Punning on Halloween this yeah, year. Yeah, I think we kind of missed on, okay. on the whole cost. All right. Well, we're, I, we'll, we'll, we'll turn to talk to Will Farrell about <laughs> Halloween already. And, uh, you know, he gave us his insight on that. All right. So, so before we let you go, play dodgeball this week. It's Halloween week. You're playing for the Pac-12 South, basically. If you had to draft in dodgeball, and I want to put you on the spot, your quarterback, your roommate, Sam Darnold, or the guest on this podcast today, Will Farrell. You know what you're getting with both of them. Will Farrell, former student athlete here at USC. At least that's the rumor. And uh, have you seen him perform on big stages? Have you seen Sam perform on big stages? If you had to make a draft pick right now, no trading, nothing. Just picking one guy. Jeez. I mean, that's tough because, you know, Will brings a lot to the table. You know, if your team's down, he's definitely got that morale booster for you, you know. But Sam is just clutch. Mm. You know, he, he's when, when you need him the most, he's going to come in clutch for you. I, I think I'm going to have to go with Sam. I, I got to stick to my – I got to be loyal, you know. I, I just got to. But, I mean, Will's making a big case, you know. I mean, having that kind of morale on the team, having a guy that can really bring you up to the top, I think is something that you should underestimate. But I, I definitely got to go with clutch Sam Darnold on this one. There it is, another episode of the Season of Sam podcast. Big thanks to our special guests, of course, Will Farrell, big Trojan fan and alum, Sam Darnold and his insights on the team's past game, and of course, looking forward to this weekend's game against Arizona, and tight end, Tyler Petit. For all podcast episodes, go to usctrojan.com or check out Apple Podcasts. And for extra 
content on USC, make sure you check out their Facebook page.